Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. What's going on, Kirk? How you feeling? Oh, you know, feeling pretty good. Feeling like it's time to get back into the swing uh, of things. <laughs> should I, I should have seen that one coming. I'm your other co-host, Cam. Uh, my spider Sona would be spider cam. Kirk, what, what you got? Spider what? Or or what spider? Oh, no. Well, yours is just too easy and it, too it, good. It is. It actually is. It's like unfairly easy. Um, if you want to mull that over for a little bit, I'll, I'll allow you. Or you could be Spider-Man Ireland, maybe? Spired, Spider-Land. <laughs> Spider-Land. <laughs> Spire-Land. Yeah, that really rolls <laughs> off the tongue. That's a good one. Uh, well, welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast, a movie review edition of Popcorn for Breakfast. And on this episode, we are going to be providing you with a spoiler-free review of what is right now the number one movie in America, uh, in the world, actually, and the movie that scampered out to the second-best domestic box office opening of the year, right behind Super Mario Bros. movie, and that film is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. This Pretty is, of impressive. course, the... Uh, it, it's it's massively impressive, Kirk. Um, I'm glad you said that, because... Uh, the first movie, if I think people forget about this because of, you know, short short term memory, uh, but it was not a huge commercial success in the early going. It didn't have a big box office. They didn't do a ton of marketing for it. Um, there was some here and there, and I think Spider fans, you know, superhero fans were like, okay, we're into this. But the main the mainstream um, didn't really didn't really catch the drift until later on and it was a big 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 word of mouth movie when it released on um you know into home home viewing right right i remember i did not see it initially and i think you if i remember it correctly that you gifted it to me and (laughs) that's when i finally watched it and i was like all right i'm not a big animated guy but i will watch this now and it blew my blew my mind changed my life the whole nine yards yeah, so I was a huge into the Spider Verse evangelist. <laughs> it's like uh, I saw it in theaters, and I wasn't I, I wasn't expecting much of it. This was before I was like close enough to movies to like follow producers and and whoever. Um, so didn't wasn't really aware that you know uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller were behind this or whatever. And whenever the movie came out, I was like, oh my gosh, that just blew my mind. I saw it in theaters, like like probably a week or so after it came out, like I did not see it opening week. I was not like overhyped for it. And then after it came to home media, I, I bought it for like a couple of people and just like sent it to their house. <laughs> it was just like, I, I sent it to you and I sent it to um, my, my other sister and brother-in-law um, for their, for their kids. And I was like, you guys, you have, you just have to have this. I don't know. You, you just need it. <laughs> and uh, it, it just had such an impression on me. I really, I find that, first movie just so beautiful and so endearing and and just uh you know just really charming i love it it's true now's a good part in our episode to announce that for the past i don't know five minutes you have not acknowledged at all (laughs) that i have been wearing a spider-man mask and i honestly i'm i'm a impressed and b i was gonna let it go for longer however inside my mask right now 
um, I'm currently fogging up the eyeballs, oh, so no. I can't see anything, and I'm going <laughs> to have to take this thing off. But and bravo, give it up. If you're in your car, if you're in your house, just yeah. silently just clap to him, please. Honestly, please. I don't even see it anymore because <laughs> because you always have some sort of shtick. It doesn't even cross my radar. Like, I, I, I you popped up in a Spider-Man mask, and it didn't even... It didn't even enter my my conscious thoughts until you Here said something. That's normal. <laughs> That's totally typical. If you would have spent the whole episode like that, I would have never said a word. But it was a good look. I really wanted to. Um, it's honestly comfortable. I just I can't <laughs> see you, and that's very difficult for me. That seems yeah, it does seem hard. Um, so yeah, we're here. Spider Man mask or not? Now that Kirk has removed it and re- revealed his alter ego. Um, we're here to review this film. We're going to do it in a spoiler-free way. We're going to talk about everything that needs to be talked about without reviewing any, uh, without revealing any crucial plot details, of which there are many. I mean, this is the second in a uh, trilogy. So, uh, for historical context, the original Spider Verse came out in 2018. That was into the Spider Verse. So we're five years past that. This movie was supposed to come out last year. Had a little bit of a delay. Now it comes out this year. Was originally titled Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. And we were like, huh, what? What's Part mm-hmm. 2? Well, then they, they they dropped the Part 1 without saying anything. They just, like, removed it in the promotional material. Like, any, any like, trailers and stuff. It just said Across the Spider-Verse. And now we find out that the third film in the series, Beyond the Spider-Verse, releases nine months from now. So we can somewhat safely assume that they that that film was originally titled Across the Spider-Verse Part 2, um, and they thought maybe for trilogy, consistency, things like that, it made more sense to do Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, Beyond the Spider-Verse. Right, right. Harry Potter style. Yeah. Uh, nine months later. So I like that. That's very exciting. It's good. It's, you know, um, it's the Infinity War thing. It's kind of, you know, the Infinity War into Endgame. Um there's a lot of like, after a second movie, you know, you're kind of right in the thick of it in terms of plot with, with any trilogy. And so it, you don't want to make your fans wait too long to like finish it off. You want, you want to give them the resolution to the story. And, and they were able to make both of them sort of at the same time, which is pretty neat. But Kirk, let's, um, let's go ahead and dive into it. I mean, we're here. We're going to, we should probably talk about the dang thing instead of just kind of dancing around the edges here. What do you well, say? Let's do it. Let's do it. Absolutely. All right. Let me, uh, sorry. I was like stuck in the middle of like a share your screen thing and it, I just got caught in purgatory there. All right. Uh, it is my turn to synopse this week. So I'm going to give a brief spoiler free synopsis of this film to just kind of, just kind of set the groundwork. So Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse picks up, um, what did they say? A year and four months after the events of <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse, just to be really, really specific about it. Um, so we find Miles, uh, who's, you know, of course, our leading man, Miles Morales, as, you know, the one and only Spider- Spider-Man in his universe. He is living within his universe. He does not have access to the multiverse and is doing the same things that we would expect Miles to be doing. He's doing Spider-Man things. He's continuing to attend Visions Academy. He's starting to think about college, uh, but he's continuing to daydream about uh, Gwen and he misses his multiversal friends. Somewhere across the multiverse, uh, Gwen is doing the same thing when uh, all of a sudden she appears in Miles' universe and 
basically comes with a, uh, I'll explain later, jump in type of thing. Uh, but she she's, you know, sort of on a mission all her own, and Miles is trying to figure out, you know, why she's there, why, why they can't be together, blah, blah, blah. And that's essentially how the movie gets kicked off. Uh, we, we've seen all of that, really, I guess, Kirk, in, like, the when they did the first sneak peek from across the Spider-Verse where it's like Gwen above Miles's bed, or even actually at the, is it, I'm getting mixed up between the post credit scene and the like promotional material they had before, but Gwen kind of in the, in the portal, like above in Miles's room being like, Miles, Miles, yes. come with me type thing. Um, the, the, of course the, the post credit scene, for Into the Spider-Verse featured Miguel O'Hara, uh, Spider-Man 2099, who is voiced by Oscar Isaac, kind of talking about um, Miles and some sort of greater plan. So you can assume that that factors in here as well. As the trailers show, there's a zillion Spider-People in this movie. How exactly they fold in, I'm not going to divulge because we want to keep it, you know, keep as many plot details out of it as possible. But if you like Spider-People... This is the film for you. There's a ton of them in there. So uh, there's a spider person for everyone out there. There really, there really is. I mean, there might be four or five, honestly, with how many are in this movie. And uh, uh, they say that they've saved more spider people for, for the final film. So whatever, whatever that means. I don't even know how that's possible. But here wow. we are. You know who I I hope to uh, see. This is a spoiler because this one's not in there. Is a spider pig from the Simpsons movie. I feel like yes. that is dude. They should. That would be hilarious <laughs> with Homer. I want him to be holding. Yeah, him. <laughs> dude, that would be so good. That would be so good. Uh, I I I can't even like there. I would have to watch this movie like twenty times to even and just pause like every frame to just be like, who's that? Oh, I think I know who that is. Like, there's the the detail is unreal. Right, to document someone, someone's job for this movie and the next one, I'm sure, was documenting yeah. every version of Spider-Man. Oh, I guarantee there's some somebody at Nerdist or IGN who's, like, written an article about it. I just haven't seen it yet. That's like, here's mm-hmm. every Spider-Person you can vaguely see <laughs> at some point <laughs> during this movie. I'm going to have to find that, for sure. Where's the BuzzFeed quiz? Which I know. Spider-Man are you? <laughs> Those are the days, man. Those are the days. Um, all right, Kirk, let's get into this thing. Let's start, as we always do, with the acting performances. In this case, of course, this is an animated film, so we're going to be talking about voice acting performances. Um, worth noting, speaking of animated film, both of the largest openings at the box office this year belong to animated films, and we're halfway through the year. Okay, so we're talking about, of course, the Super Mario Bros. movie, which just recently passed $1.3 billion in the worldwide box office. Massive smash hit. And this film, which uh, surpassed expectations and and strolled its way to $120 million domestically over the last weekend. And, uh, you know, will continue to, to do amazing, great things, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. So, worth noting, animation is on the come up, big time. As right, Michael Moore said, yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Uh, acting superlatives. We're going to start, as we always do, with a category called And the Oscar Goes To. And I am thrilled to be giving my Oscar this week to Mr. Shamik Moore, who plays Miles Morales. Um, this young actor, I've been following his career for a long time, ever since he debuted in the film Nope all those years ago. What was that? It must have been 2015, 2016-ish when that film came out 
Um, he's just insanely talented. And, and what I love about his performance in these movies, and, and this goes back to Into the Spider-Verse 2 because we didn't have a chance to review that film on the podcast because it was, it was slightly before our, our time there. Um, there is an unmistakable um, genuineness and just overall purity to the what he brings to this character. It's something that is just, it's, you cannot, you can't replicate it. He just sounds like a kid who's trying his best. He really does. Like, Miles is not perfect, but he is such a perfect Spider-Man. You know, he's, he's really trying his best. He's trying to make the best decisions. He doesn't always have confidence in himself, but sometimes he does. He knows what's right and what's wrong, and he's going to stick to it. And the way that Shamik Moore portrays that is so beautiful. I think it's, I, I don't know how many other people could do it in such a way. It's insane. I'm, I'm blown away by this guy. I think that um, the first film, it can get overlooked a little bit because you're so caught up in the spectacle. But I feel like in this movie, um, we learn so much more about Miles. There's a lot going on about him and his personal relationships and all that. It's not just like the initial oh, Miles is becoming Spider-Man, he's learning his powers, here's all these spider people, whatever. Like, this is a this is a deep dive. Uh, we're starting to really get into the character dev and really get into the arc and the meat of this character. And Shameik Moore builds out the character in his vocal performance in such an amazing way. Um, you just, you can't, you, you can't separate it from the animated character that's on the screen, and that's what a good voice performance does. It takes you into the film, and I think that Shamik Moore did that better than anybody. And that's saying something because this vo- this voice cast is insane. This voice cast is nuts. They've cast incredibly talented actors, incredibly talented voice actors. So many of them do a stellar job in this film. But for me, I got to give it to our leading man, Mr. Shamik Moore. One might say that he will, with his vocal tones, take you into and across, and perhaps one day beyond. <laughs> the spider-verse that's right that's right that's <laughs> well said kirk well said thank you no one's ever thought of that before never my oscar tonight goes to <gasps> shameek moore as well the thing that i love about shameek moore i've seen his picture i've seen him on red carpets but only recently have i seen a lot of his personality thrown around uh, of him as just a a person. There's this guy he reminds me of. I used to work at a skating rink for a number of years where he just, he's this cool, calm, collected, just handsome, happy-go-lucky guy just sitting around, you know, cracking jokes. And then when he opens his mouth, uh, like it'll blow your mind. It'll absolutely blow your mind. What what happens with Shamik Moore in all these interviews? He's just like, uh, just like lighten the room up with humor, and then all of a sudden, someone's like, "Hey, can you read a line from the movie?" And then he turns into this. How old is he? The seventeen year old boy <laughs> as Miles Morales, and it's so impressive. Like it's just a switch, just like that. It just changes so immediately, and there's no there's no warm up. There's no delay there's no split second where you think oh he's still Shamik Moore no it is instantaneous so whether he's been doing that voice his entire life and it just so happened that that's the perfect voice that pairs with this character in the animated form I don't care what it is but it's absolutely so impressive and immediately 
ties you to this character. It's so impressive. It's it's so unique. It's so heartfelt. Every time he opens his mouth, Shamik Moore, I don't know what you did, what kind of deal with God you made, but man, it's it's so wonderful and so rich. I want to see so much more from Shamik Moore in the animated and the regular silver screen, if that's a thing. Dude, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Dude's got the gift. He's got he's he's wildly talented. Just wildly talented and it's awesome. I like we're we're lucky yeah. to get to see his his uh his light shine in these movies and it definitely does and uh it's it's just an awesome thing to behold. It really is. All right. Now here's the real tricky part <laughs> because holy smack. Oh, no. What did I just say? Holy smack? I meant holy, holy smack. <laughs> I almost said oh snap and holy crap, I don't know. Uh it just all came together. <laughs> oh snap. This cast is outrageous. I the list of names. I mean, even you go back to the first one and unbeknownst to almost everybody who was in the theater originally, you've got all of these huge A-list names and and people who weren't big then that are now and all these different names. You're like, oh, Mahershala Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, Haley Steinfeld. Like it goes on and on and on. Um, nothing against Jake Johnson. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to like, you know, John Mulaney. I can't name all of them, okay? But this film Nicholas does Cage. that. Let's yeah. keep going. Yeah, this film does that and then some, dude. This this film does that and then is like, let's do it times 10. How about? Um, it's it's really something. And so this, this, is a, whew, this is a tough choice. But for me, I, fe- I feel almost weird doing this because I've given this dude so many so much props over the years on this on this particular program and it's it's beginning it's it's uh it's almost not fair to anybody else but he just keeps being so good so I have to go with Daniel Kaluuya. I have I have no other choice. He plays Spider-Punk in this movie who you see in the trailers. Uh this has been one of the spider people that they've been heavily sort of promoting in the promotional materials for this film. Um, if you're a comic book lover, you're familiar with spider punk, but he's, you know, he's, uh, he's like a British, uh, like anti establishment punk rock, um, like Cockney accent, just like the whole vibe of just like British punk rock. Um, and he embodies that and he is animated as such, which the animation on this character is bewildering i don't even know how to explain it um uh it's it's insane it's like he's existing in a separate world from everybody else but in the same world it's it's mind-blowing stuff but daniel kaluuya's character is awesome and he again just so effortlessly breathes life into this character and you you don't know that you're listening to daniel kaluuya but you know that what, what you're listening to is awesome and um he his character has an interesting arc in the film, and I feel like Daniel Kaluuya does a great job of sort of planting the seeds for that. Like you don't know how to feel about him whenever he first shows up in the film, and he kind of guides you on that journey. You know, he's 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 letting you know what you need to know. He's uh, his accent was phenomenal, which I know is is decently close to his native accent because I know he's a he's a London guy. Um, but he, uh, 
he's he's just doing a ton. He's just doing a ton, and he he brings so much life into the film from the moment that his character appears. What more can you say about Daniel Kaluuya? The dude is an absolute stud, one of the most talented actors going. Um, he is must see. TV <laughs> every single right. time he's on the screen uh, must see film watching. I don't know. There's not an easy way to say that, but he is, he is, he is a ticket you got to get. If Daniel Kalu is in a movie, I'm, I'm, you know, first in line. Yeah. And his aesthetic for his character is basically just hidden until the movie hits. So you yeah, will, yeah, he's a standout uh, visually and vocally. Yeah. Great choice. Great choice. You do pick him a lot. You do. I, dude, I think I've picked him. him. I, I picked him for Judas. <laughs> And the <laughs> Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. I picked him for Nope. I, I've picked him a number of times. It's it's becoming unfair at this point. The man don't miss. He That's doesn't. Why. He doesn't miss. It's it's not my fault. It's it's his fault, really. He's too it's good. His fault. Well, he missed my my side here. So let's go. just skip on to my scene stealer. <laughs> Mine goes to maybe someone I've given lots of lots of awards and accolades to, Mr. Oscar Isaac. He'll always get something from love me. Love it. Love that pick. Except for X-Men Apocalypse. I'll never forgive you for that one. Sorry. But he plays Mr. Miguel O'Hara. He's the large muscular figure. You saw him in the post credit scene. You see him on the poster. He's this towering, just, I don't know, six foot four, 300 pounds of muscle. I don't know what, what weight and height relates to. But I mean, he's a strong dude. He's a soldier. And... There's an incredible moment when Oscar Isaac, uh, in any role that he plays, when he can get into this very determined sense, you can hear it and you can feel it when he speaks. It's so impressive. And to be able to be such an incredible visual actor and then to turn that directly into a vocal performance only, I mean, come on, like spread the talent around somewhere, Oscar. This is not very fair. <laughs> he sings. I'm pretty sure he probably dances and now he does animated work as well. And of course, he's a, he's an actor. He is just an incredible, an incredible example of, uh, of doing the work for the character because without the, without, if you just stood up there and read the script, it would be very noticeable, but 100% he dives into this character head first and he knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly the major and main objectives of Miguel O'Hara is and all of the sub uh, objectives as well. It's very, very endearing to listen to and to watch and lose Oscar Isaac entirely and get this very, very precise character. So Oscar, you did it again. Uh, much like Joaquin Phoenix telling a whole a whole room of best actor nominees, can you suck just one time? This was not one of those times, Oscar Isaac. So you get my scene stealer tonight. I love that pick. I, I love Oscar Isaac. I feel like one of the things that Oscar Isaac does so well, and I've, I think I've talked about this before, is he's able to convey um, desperation yeah. really well. Like I think I think you said like, when he's like passionate or like when he wants something, he's able to convey that and he can, he can, you know, a big problem sometimes with movies can be getting your audience to believe in the stakes of what's happening. And he's like, he's like a single man crew who can do it, <laughs> you know, like give him a, a few lines of dialogue explaining the situation. He's, he's got everybody in the audience there. They're like, okay, got it. Definitely on board concern. That's it. 
He's going to set the tone, and he does so in this movie wonderfully. And can I just, before we move on, I just want to say an honorable honorable mention. Oh, let's do it. Really There's a few. There's a few. Let's go. One. I only have one, and it supersedes everyone else in this film. It's Rachel Dratch appears in this <laughs> film. <laughs> and oh my goodness. Like, I didn't know she was in this. Yeah. And she started talking. I'm like, my goodness, if that's not the best Rachel Dratch impersonator or Rachel Dratch, <laughs> by golly. And it certainly was when I looked her up that's at the end of it. And I was so happy. If you know SNL, you if you know SNL well and you knew it in the 90s and the early 2000s, it's unmistakable to know who Rachel Dratch is. So big shout out to yeah. Rachel D. Jackie leans over and goes, is that Debbie Downer? I said, yes. <laughs> Yes. yes, it is. <laughs> She's the queen has arrived. She is here. Uh, that's awesome. But on the on the topic of of honorable mentions, I I do have two. Um, I did already mention Haley Steinfeld in passing, so that's I guess that counts as a third. Yeah. Issa Rae as as yeah. Jessica Drew. Woo, man, spitting fireballs. I thought she was awesome, absolutely yeah. awesome. And I just want to shout out again because I was like two months ago years old when I found out that Brian Tyree Henry plays Jefferson Davis, uh, Miles' dad. Uh, I cannot, I don't, I can't hear it. I've tried. I've even watched videos of him doing the voice. I can, I cannot make it up. It's truly transformative. The dude, talk about somebody with talent. Holy crap. That dude just, he he doesn't miss either. He's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Give that man a spinoff. Please. Uh, anything. Immediately. So good. Okay. Moving on to this film. This film, uh, it, it's it's quite a production. It's an animated film. Tons of artists were involved in this. This was, this was a five-year project. Three directors on this film, uh, one of which was the incomparable Kent Powers, who worked on, who was one of the directors of Soul as well. Um, just, these. this is the brightest, best and brightest, okay, in, in the field. And this movie was using animation techniques that were mind-boggling, mind-blowing, and uh, you know, I, I don't think that I've ever seen an animated film like this, but we're going to get into it. Let's talk about our showstopper, the thing that blew us away. My showstopper for this movie, I think the obvious thing is to say the animation, which was crazy and amazing, and I loved it. Um, but for me, it's the, it's the story. I had to go with the story here, and what and specifically about the story, what I like is there's a lack of formulaicness to this. There's there's it's not really a formulaic sequel. I don't feel um, it 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 packs a lot of um, twists and turns. I don't think a ton of it is super predictable. Maybe you put the pieces together five minutes before something happens or what have you, but the story. Um, it works on a ton of different levels. There's lots of there's lots of different themes going on. There's things that work for kids. There's things that work for adults. There's things that work specifically if you're a parent. There's things that work specifically if you're a woman or a young man or what have you. It works on a ton of different levels. Um, it's it's really really well executed, and I think the story just has a ton of intrigue to it. It just keeps you, you know, one of the things that superhero movies get nailed for a lot is formulaicness. And part of that is just kind of comes with the territory of the genre. Like, Oh, the good guys are going to win. And so when you know that you have to kind of like back, walk yourself backwards and you can figure out stuff pretty easily. But this movie doesn't feel formulaic 
to me. It just feels like, um, it just feels really intentional and really well thought out. Tons of attention to detail. It's like they went through and thought through, okay, here's fork in the road number one. There's a number of ways that this can go. We're trying to get to here. Uh, what's the most interesting way that we can get there? Boom, that's it. Move on. Like that's That is what the creative process felt like. And I think that um, probably having three directors working in concert with one another is a good thing because three... You know, the law of three, you've got checks and balances, you've got people working together, um, you've got, you've always got somebody on the other side, you know, and uh, one person who's like a bipartisan, uh, you know, mediator in, in, in all instances. So I think the creative team just did an excellent job in kind of moving this story along. It moves with great pace, it moves, um, it, it's it's actually quite quick, it's up-tempo, I would, I would describe it as up-tempo, and it's just very interesting throughout. So for me... I was impressed with the story. Second films, man, they make you or they break you. And that's just a fact. If you're making a trilogy, the second film is key. All the best film trilogies in the world, the second film is so key. Even if it's not the best movie, it has to be one of the best and it has to kick things up a notch. The Two Towers, Empire Strikes Back, um, Godfather Part Two, <laughs> like the list goes on. If you're making a trilogy, second movies are key and they definitely knew that with this one. Cinderella 2. Pocahontas 2, Little Mermaid <laughs> 2, up. Hunchback of Notre Dame <laughs> Cars 2. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. You know, I have to disagree with you on one thing. You said three is better than one, but, I mean, Cameron, if you remember Secondhand Serenade from the mid-2000s, they would always say, I'm thinking two oh, is yeah. better than one. Two is better than one. That's a very specific reference to a very small but three. Part of our is, then three might also be better than one. It know? could be. It could be. We'll discuss. The more the merrier is what people say sometimes. The more the merrier. I think Second Head Serenade also saying <laughs> the more. They probably did. The man. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. What What are we talking about here? Showstopper. Oh, showstopper. What you got? Yes. Showstopper. Quite simply, I've already talked about it. The Spider Man people. There's so many Spider-Men, Spider-Women, Spider-Girls, Spider-Boys all over the place. Spider-Animals. It's it's absolute chaos, but controlled chaos. I thought going into this, there's no way they're going to make it interesting. They're just going to have like cameo Spider-Men all around. And no, it absolutely worked perfectly. I can't tell you where we see all these Spider-Men, Spider-Girls, Spider-Boys, Spider-Pig, Spider-Animals, uh, what have you. I can't tell you where. They're all over the place, but I can't tell you the specific scene in which it absolutely just lit my heart on fire and opened my eyes like this, like Clockwork Orange. I I just, the, the orchestration of it all was so impressive. The orchestration of it all was so um, mesmerizing. I just felt like I had no words, kind of like right now. I don't have a way to describe it. It was just like, if we had to put all of these spider people and things in one place that's it what they did on screen there's no debate about it there's no better way to do it they just did it and that was the showstopper for me because it literally literally left me speechless so congrats to the three directors of this film you did it i love it i love all the spider people you know i think i think there are people out there who you know, after everything, everywhere, all at once, and, uh, 
you know, the, the recent goings on with Marvel and stuff like that start to feel like the multiverse, the word multiverse is becoming a bit uh, overused and perhaps conceptually over applied. Um, didn't feel that way in this one. This felt fresh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was. I think maybe that they weren't just like, they didn't overdo it, you know, and, and, and they trusted their audience to kind of know, you know, to kind of, to kind of smell what they're stepping in. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, not what? to be gross. That was a bad, I'm oh my sorry. Gosh. <laughs> to pick up what they're putting down is what I should have said. Well, you uh, can't say that after the previous I know, phrase. Because I know, I'm no, still... It's just grosser. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like the, the multiverse stuff does get a little bit tired. I think definitely with, with, with Marvel specifically like the MCU. Um, but I didn't feel that way with this movie because it felt fresh, yeah. it felt fresh to me. So, and the spider people are awesome and, uh, the, the, the creativity behind it. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. Now it's time to go to the other side. Director shoes. What would we change? What are some things that this movie maybe doesn't do as well? What are some things that don't knock our socks off? What are some things that make a, make us put our socks back on? That's because uh, what you just stepped in and picked it <laughs> up. Know, and don't bring it, it back up, Kirk. We're trying to move on from that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, moving on. My director's shoes. I have to go with. This is like this is this is one of those things where like you say, um, you know, I care too much. Uh, <laughs> I work too hard. You know, your 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 weaknesses are your strengths. I feel like this movie. The one thing is it's a lot to digest in the single viewing. And I think that when you're talking about a movie that's really, really well done, these are the kinds of nitpicky areas that can keep something from becoming truly masterpiece level. Um, and I think it does matter. I, I like to watch movies multiple times. Um, so I, I don't have a problem with having things that I didn't catch the first time. There's lots of like, little text that pops up on screen, tons of little details and Easter eggs, etc. This movie has a lot more of that, even more so than the first one, and even more so than a lot of films in this space. Um, and so that would be my one small knock against it. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that, and we'll see, Kirk, if this is yours, I've heard a lot of people say that it's just like too too much, just too much in general. But I don't think it's too much for the story. I do think it's... Like the story aspect, I don't think is too much. I think that all the little details add up to be too much for to totally digest in a single viewing. It's like Hamilton, the musical level of detail, where like that musical is incredible. The lyrics are absolutely genius, insane, masterful uh, level. And so it's impossible for you to ingest it all the first time. And I feel bad for people who go to see Hamilton the musical and they're like, oh, I've never listened to the soundtrack because I didn't want to be spoiled on anything. It's like you're going to miss everything. You're, you know, like you're going to miss everything because you didn't spend time with it. This movie feels a little bit like that where it's like the second viewing I know will be more fun um, because I, I can just kind of like look for the other fun stuff that I know is packed into this movie. So... That that's my one. That's my one gripe. I have different views. Maybe because I saw this movie starting at ten fifteen on a Sunday night, and I left at one one a.m. One a.m. Sheesh. 
And I blame that on the movie trailer business because there's probably a half an hour of movie trailers. And yes. I'll, I'll, you know what? I think we could devote an entire episode to how much I, do, I dislike that. But my director's shoes, um, I agree. I believe that we had some oversaturation with the tertiary characters, such as Mom, George, Stacy. Uh, we got some people who we didn't necessarily need as much screen time as they were gifted with in this particular film. Uh, the world building was beautiful, but I do believe that we could have had more Miles Morales time in it. It didn't cut him out by any means, but the reason the first one works so well for me is that the entire film is the pulse of Miles Morales. And this one, because we had to go bigger and learn more about what how his life is changing and it very much backs it up with the story it just i needed more even more miles morales i needed him connected to every single minute like like i knew the first one was and i also rewatched into the spider-verse uh directly before viewing this uh the, the new film so i there's there's one other big editing not mishap, but choice that they make that I would have flip-flopped um, happens in the beginning. The first scene and the second scene, uh, they're long sequences. I absolutely would have flip-flopped them, and I think that my viewing enjoyment would have gone up much higher. That's just me. That's my preference. It's subjective. Don't yell at me, but I do want to say my piece because it's my director's shoes. Yeah, I like it. Sounds good. Um, moving into final thoughts and scores. Let's wrap this up. I think what has been done with the first two movies in this trilogy is nothing short of magnificent and and shocking and um, incredible. I Sony Animation coming out of absolutely nowhere, taking a character who was not well known in the mainstream yet was known was known to comic book fans and was a pretty new character um, in Miles. And throwing him into a world with a bunch of other spider people who nobody w was familiar with and creating just a beautiful, touching story about relationships and, and people and how we're all connected. And um, I mean, so many things. I mean, there's so many layers in these movies. There's so many different themes. They all work. They work on a ton of different levels. Um I think it's remarkable. I think it's a remarkable achievement. And that's even before considering the, the animation, which blew me away in this movie. I didn't, I didn't put it as my showstopper because I feel like that's a given. You know, we've been, we've been hearing for so long and seeing in the trailers, like, oh, the, the animation's going to be out of this world. And it was. I mean, like, I don't want to not mention it so that it doesn't get any light because it needs it. It was insane. I couldn't believe that they had uh, some characters, different parts of them were moving at different frame rates within the same shot, like what in the world is that about? And all the different details and stylistic choices. I mean, there was so much stuffed in there that was just beautiful and awesome. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm in awe of this franchise or this uh, series and I cannot wait for the conclusion though. I will be super sad when it's over, but super happy that I get to binge watch all three of them in a row every once in a while. Um, this movie was an excellent sequel. I thought it had so much. I thought it. I thought it deepened um, Miles's story so much. I thought it expanded the scope, scaled up, which is what you have to do with the sequel, but did so without getting formulaic, without getting clunky, without getting, I don't know, 
just like disingenuous because this movie has a real authentic charm to it that you really like I, I've, I've, I've not really seen before. Um, and I think these are incredible comic book movies. I think that both of these movies belong in, you know, the top 10, maybe the top five best comic book movies ever. I think they're insanely good. And this movie is no different. I absolutely loved watching it. I watched it in a totally packed theater. The hype was there. People were stoked. Um, there's so many, so much good stuff here. And uh, yeah, I, I would watch, I would watch 10 of these movies if they, if they continue to find a way to tell this story. So for me, I think it's my highest score of the year. I'm giving it a 9.4 out of 10 kernels. I, I really loved it. I, I, I have it below the first one, but the first one is like, I mean, that's like lightning in a bottle. I, I don't even know. Like, like that, that just like came out of left field and totally blew us all away. So, um, I, I don't know how anything could possibly overcome that to be honest for me. Like that's like almost a 10, um, if not. And, uh, yeah, so this one's a 9-4, which is a great score, and uh, I think it was awesome, deserving of it. Beautiful. I have good, positive thoughts about this movie. <laughs> Sequels are difficult because they are a continuation and they enhance the first installment. They have to find what is the logical next step for this person's story, whether it's animated or live action, as one would say. Uh, this trilogy will not be any different. I do believe, just as Cam said, you you cannot beat out the first film in this trilogy. I do, however, believe that the final chapter of this trilogy could potentially beat out the first one, only because this stepping stone to elevate us to what that final chapter will be has given us so much to look forward. So many good open threads to follow, uh, a cliffhanger of an ending, and an exciting path forward for for Miles Morales and his journey as becoming his own Spider-Man. I really think that that's a possibility. The third one possibly topping out the first one. The second one didn't quite do it for me, but there is no mistaking the genius and the artistry and the creativity that is injected into this, uh, what is it, two minute, two, I'm sorry, two hours and 16 minute piece of a film. Very, very exciting to be living in these times. I'll be able to tell uh, my kids like, oh my gosh, I saw Across the Spider-Verse in the theaters and it blew me away. And it did, it really did. But there was a lot of extra fluff that could have uh, shaved this down to being on par or closer to my probably 10 out of 10 score for, for Into the Spider-Verse. Honestly, after rewatching that again, I was just like, there's no flaws. There's no flaws anywhere in this thing. So for Across the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man 2 of the animated, incredible, immaculate production of the trilogy, it gets an 8.2 out of 10 kernels for me tonight. Nice. Good scores. Good scores for... Uh you know, a really good movie. And I, I want to address something real quick on that front. There's been a lot of spider movies and there is yeah. this tendency to compare and to, I don't know, crap on the other spider movies in relation to this. And there's this like really weird hatred in the fandom, in the Twitter sphere for the John Watts, Spider-Man 
what? movies, particularly Far From Home and a little bit No Way Home. And the number of tweets that I saw this weekend, it was like, it's almost like they have to be bots or something that are just out there to like get comments or something um, that said, you know, something to the effect of, okay, we all saw Sp- Across the Spider-Verse and it was super good, just like Into the Spider-Verse. Can we all agree that, which they always say that in these kinds of tweets. Can we all Can agree? We all agree. Yeah, which, oh my gosh, it just That's a manipulative, oh, what do they call it? That's a, um, uh, a, a no, rats. It's, there's no, a real I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um, the, but can we all agree that No Way Home was trash? Or can we all agree that the John Watts Spider-Man trilogy is nowhere near this? And no, uh, we, we cannot all agree because because uh, no. I refuse to agree. And you know, we we gave Spider-Man No Way Home both of us a ten out of ten because. The feeling that that movie evoked was unlike anything, personally, speaking for myself, not for you, Kirk, unlike anything I've ever experienced as a fan in my life. So You, you, you can, can speak for me on that you front. Can, you yeah. can put aside cinema, artistry, whatever. As a fan, watching a movie, a Spider-Man movie, of which I have watched all of them, um, that, like, nothing will ever... Like, that was it. That was an unbelievable moment. That can only really happen now, and that was just insane. And I think that people try to nitpick that movie because they hate that so many people like it. And that's fine. If you don't, if you don't think it's a 10 out of 10, by all means, like do that, but stop doing this. Stop doing the, Hey, this movie's awesome. So that movie sucks. No, no, it's not okay. Wonderful. Yes. They can both be good. I tell my kids this all the time. Just because two best friends, it's fine. They're not mutually exclusive. You know, (laughs) like we, my kid, you know, my, my son today, he was like, I was like, Hey, you guys want to go get ice cream? thinking about Cold Stone. Can we go to Freddy's? Well, I like Freddy's. I said, you might also like Cold Stone. You can like Freddy's and Cold Stone. I like right. Freddy's and Cold Stone. And it kind of blew his mind. We need to be more like that. We, we, we have to stop doing this. That's just a PSA. We have to stop. I fully agree. It is, I remember the term. It's called a thought terminating cliche. Mm. Because you are immediately shutting down people's ability to think for themselves by fronting whatever opinion you have. Can we all agree that it's, um, it's mob mentality. It's, it's yes. group mentality to automatically funnel people into yes. um, not being able to think for themselves or think that they have to think like this particular Correct. opinion. And that's not the case. Be better than that. Be stronger than these people who honestly can't form uh, deep yes. enough opinions yes. on multiple fronts. So right. thought terminating cliche. Dude, it's that's what it is, and and they fill me with rage, which I guess is what they're designed to do. Um, but whenever you see those and say, "Can we all agree?" Just remember, we can't. We can't all agree on anything. No, that's just, we won't. <laughs> that's not how the world works. So if you disagree, <laughs> that's cool. Be be a disagreeer. That's a good thing. Um, it's it's okay. So there's that soapbox done. But that's a wrap on across the Spider Verse. Um, oh. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this spoiler free review um if you want more like inside baseball type talk you can hit us on discord and say hey or uh you know facebook messenger or whatever you know just let us know your thoughts on the movie and if you have some thoughts you want to chat about we're here we've seen it we've we're diving into it um we'd be happy to chat with you about it thank you so much for listening to this episode as always we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer 
Ryan Spriggs, as well as the wonderful band Rhetoric, who created all of our original music. Thank you guys so much again for listening, and we will see you later this week. Talk to you then. Bye.